Welcome to Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us today is Dr. Dan Meyer, who, if you're a math ed nerd like me, doesn't really need an introduction, but he's a TED Ed speaker who has advocated for better math instruction all over the country. He's been named one of tech and learning's 30 leaders of the future. He's a frequent speaker at national math ed conferences and is currently the chief academic officer at Desmos, one of our favorite ed tech organizations here at Ready Teacher One. Dan, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you on. Honor to be here. Great to meet you folks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, Dan, about 10 years ago, you gave a TED Talk called Math Class Needs a Makeover. Uh, it's been viewed millions of times. In it, you argued for the need to help students become patient problem solvers by giving them the opportunity to be the ones formulating the problems rather than just plugging in numbers into a pre-written formula. In the last decade, has math class come any closer to getting its badly needed makeover? Uh, and what areas have we made progress and what areas do we still have ways to go? Yeah, great question. I think we're, we're there's a lot of room for in, to be encouraged here. Um, I think that uh, with the advent and the addition of digital technology to classes, people um, went through an early phase where we were trying to reproduce a lot of um, early instructional environments with computers in the same way that like um, the very first movies were filmed plays. We had to get kind of an imagination for what new technology could offer us. And so, whereas earlier it was, um, there's just a lot of like PowerPoint driven lecture oriented type instruction um, or multiple choice style right or wrong answers. Now we're seeing people take these tools and use them to kind of co-create instructional environments with students where we say to ourselves like, okay, cool. We can actually like bring the world in from out there into here and um, mathematize it together. I don't need to give you folks on paper a uh, pre-printed version of the world with numbers and diagrams already on top of it. That's been cool. I've been really excited to see um, the Common Core State Standards um, came out in 2010. There's lots to like there, lots of uh, room for improvement, but I love that it tells a, a coherent story across mathematics versus you know throwing the whole thing into a, a wood chipper and then having students kind of trying to figure out like where this piece of math connects to that one. It all feels kind of the same and atomized. Um, there's a, a lot of room for encouragement here. There's still loads of room for growth though uh, as well. For sure, for sure, that makes sense. Um, I want to talk for a second about graphing calculators. Um, you know, I started high school in 1999, and when I started high school, you know, my math class required my parents to go out and buy a graphing calculator. Uh, it was expensive. It didn't do a whole lot in retrospect. Um, you fast forward 21 years later to here we are, and people are still buying basically the same graphing calculator for basically the same price. And it's frustrating to a lot of us in math ed. It's frustrating to a lot of parents, I know. Um, and I know that Desmos has been working hard to try to disrupt that situation a little bit. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what's up at Desmos and how you guys are working to uh, fix the graphing calculator problem? Yeah, I'll give it a shot here. So I, I started uh, high school near about the same time as you did. And I, I love that that piece of plastic. Like I learned how to program a little bit on that, I, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like type in these numbers and it'll tell you like what the, you know, the roots of the quadratic is or whatever. My first intro to programming, it was a blast. Um, but uh, the, the capacities of mobile phones have just dwarfed those devices since then and costs have fallen, particularly if your district is issuing you a device and giving you the bandwidth, um, the cost is just so low. And so what our team here at Desmos did is um, created a free version of a graphing calculator. And it's not, not the same as that one, but free, um, but it has dynamic capacities. Like you can drag these sliders and see changes to graphs. It'll 
um, it'll help you focus on the math more than the button pressing. Like do you recall, um, like pressing the buttons, like to find the roots of, or, or intersection point or the roots of a quadratic, you had to like um, move the little indicator to the left of the root and to the right of the root and then try to get it actually guess at the root and then it would tell you what it was. You had to, you had to help the device to all, and press all these menus and buttons that uh, don't represent mathematical thinking more technological thinking. So with all this tech that we have, the design we have, we're focusing students on the math, not on the tech. And it's been great uptake. We sell the, the product to uh, publishers and assessment consortia to include in all their products. That lets it be free at desmos.com um, for teachers and students and people and anybody. Um, and yeah, we're, we're currently on the end of course exam uh, in over half the states in the US and um, continue to make progress there. So students can use the calculator for free that they'll see on tests later, making that test more about what they know about math and now what they know about pressing buttons. Dan, I'm, I'm just a country mathematician, but you have this uh, interesting debate amongst uh, some teachers around, uh, especially in the early primary stages of whether or not kids should be able to use calculators or not use calculators. Aside from you know where the future of the calculator is going, what's your take on the utility of the calculator and how should it best be used for younger yeah. students? It's, a, it's such a good question and um, yeah you're obviously familiar with the debate that rages about this and, and my, my take is this is that um, it, it should be a tool that makes operations easier that students already understand. That's what I got. So if a student doesn't understand you know like for instance if I, if I type in um, you know 200 divided by seven you know into a calculator like I need to already know that what that is roughly gonna be like somewhere around 30 because 30 times seven is 210 like what comes out of the calculator should not mystify me and, and that's that's the moment when like it's it's fine to start introducing automated technologies to students in my view um, and uh, and I, sh I should be able to bug check it basically like if the number that comes out for 210 divided by uh, divided by seven is you know 450 or something like that and I just like write that down on my paper, then this is not the right time for me to have a calculator. Like I, I clearly don't have enough intuition for what's going on with division yet to, to make good use of it. Hang out with Ryan here. I don't think I'm ever going to be allowed to use a calculator. <laughs> I don't know about all of that. Keep on dreaming. Keep on dreaming. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Dan Desmos has obviously evolved way past just being a graphing calculator. Right. And, uh, as we've kind of been doing remote learning across the country over the last eight or nine months now, um, I've kind of watched as Desmos has really stepped up to the plate and helped teachers in so many ways. Um, what are some of the ways that Desmos has entered into the COVID-19 fray that have been successful? And what are some things that you guys would do differently now that we have nine months of experience? Yeah, wow. I mean, I think all of us, but teachers especially back in March, just hit like emergency mode back then. And um, so there's a lot of just like moving around based on impulse. And yeah, I think that we, if we had to do it all over again, if, I, if, if we had known, if I had known that we were going to do this entire year roughly um, in a virtual posture for so many teachers, I would have focused much more on professional learning. If I, if I had known like how useful Desmos would be to so many teachers, like I, I, I did not, I did not envision this, like the spike in our usage numbers, the number of teachers who have made 
um, our technology, our activity builder in particular for your listeners. We have a, um, the graphing calculator and then also a way to build activities that let you ask students questions and then see their answers on, on your side of the screen and select interesting ones for conversation and all that. Um, if I had known that, that our usage numbers would spike as they would have, as they, as they did, um, I would have focused so much more in the summer just offering professional learning sessions every single day, every hour, 24 hours a day. Um, I, I do think that was a, a missed opportunity on my part. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been great to see, especially uh, something that a couple of people on our team, um, Shira Helft and Faith Moynihan, uh, they spearheaded a, a get to know you activity, activity um, which is available on our website. Uh, you can go to teacher.desmos.com and find that. And what it is, is it's a series of just like uh, of icebreaker community building type screens. You know, it's for anything from like, you know, what's your name and your pronouns to like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Do you agree or disagree? And students will like, you know, drag there to indicate their agreement or not. And the teacher sees all that. There's debate, there's discussion, there's social engagement. And um, that activity, which was just kind of like thrown together based on those two people, their, their impulse, um, that it's been used more than any other activity on our site by far. Like to see teachers, um, it's, it's been marvelous to see that teachers did not gravitate on our site as much towards like auto grading activities versus like I need to create community with students that I am not gonna be in the same room with. That was um, just fantastic to see. That's tremendous. And I'll add in on the professional development side. It's been neat to see sort of the uh, the crowdsourcing community of teachers kind of come together around some of these things, right? So I'm in the uh, the Facebook group that you guys have. And all day people are asking questions and giving great answers to those questions on building activities in Desmos, using it effectively with remote learning. So on the professional development side, it's just been cool to see a lot of that crowdsourced, right? I absolutely agree. Yeah, that Facebook group, um, we opened that up somewhere in the spring, I think, and it's been, it's just taken off and I can't, it's hard to keep up with. There's just so many posts uh, all hours of the day. And like you said, um, you know, it's been amazing to see the community of teachers support one another during a time when everyone's resources are just at, at rock bottom. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, then it's clear to me that one of the skills that our students are going to need in the future is the ability to work with intelligent machines. And I love this uh, framing that you talked about in terms of the calculator. I'm curious when we think about math and life of the mind, how much of the way Desmos, uh, the, the, the North Star, how much of the North Star is this kind of pragmatic progressive approach or is there uh, more of a, um, do you see a tension between giving kids skills urgently to be able to compete in the new economy versus learning math for the sake of learning? Wow. Yeah, that's a huge one. Also, uh, you weren't kidding about uh, bringing the heat here on these questions. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I want to, I want to say like, yeah, math, m math serves many different masters. You know, there's the, the impulse towards creating, um, towards job, like preparing students for an economy. Um, is an impulse towards um, just like make it a, a liberal arts, like it should be, you know, it should be taught and learned for its own beauty and joy. And um, I think these are There's some tension between those two things, right? Yeah, there is. There, there absolutely is. There's especially when you add like um, the impulse to teach and learn math for the sake of um, university attainment and graduation. And 
you know, depending, depending on which, which goal we point at, it leads to a lot of like really lousy experiences for students or, or good experiences for students. Like for instance, you know, we can justify just about any bad pedagogy in high school and middle school and elementary by saying, well, you know, I mean, at, at university, they're just going to get lectured at by their professors. So like we got to just, we got to get them used to the bad stuff. Basically. I've heard that one a, a bunch um, in my work. Um, or like the impulse to, to rush towards calculus um, to serve the need to, like to or, or to, to serve the sense that I need to have um, the, the, the a stacked you know diploma or transcript to get acceptance at, at, at a school even though all these university mathematicians say wait on calculus um, until university so I love personally like where I fall on this is I love the idea of uh, teaching math as though it were a humanity um, to uh, do as Rochelle Gutierrez talks about, and I'm, I'm only just kind of like rushing to, to understand, to rehumanize mathematics, to focus on, you know, the senses, the vision, the voice, the intuition, um, to, to focus on what students bring from their home cultures, um, the images and metaphors um, that might be brought useful in a math class, um, to focus on those, thereby drawing in students who are typically have been excluded from math class and, and, and achievement. But that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough challenge for, you know, for me as someone who like, I, I grew up in the, in the, like the hardcore nerd mold, you know, like I was going towards college and all of that. Like I tell me the operation, I'll do it. Tell me the, the formula, I'll memorize it. Um, so I'm having to relearn a lot of what, what math is myself. Wow. Yeah, that's a tough one because I mean, I think for so many of us that wind up teaching math, we, you know, we arrived at this point where we were successful in math class as it was, right? I mean, yes, system kind yes. of worked for us. And to be able to, to question that system from a point of having achieved in it, um, sometimes that's harder, right? Yeah, and, and the question even like, why is math class given the clout it's given, honestly? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you look at, the, at people who have just like wrecked the world. Like I'm thinking about in like, you know, in 08 in particular, um, the folks that like created these, you know, derivatives and credit default swaps and these complex financial instrument instruments that just devastated so many people. All of them are math nerds. You know, they, that, that was, that, those are mathematicians right there, you know, and like people that, that develop world killing, you know, uh, uh, weapons, uh, math nerds right there. You know, people that like question the utility of those sorts of things or the, or the morality of them. Those folks are, you know, folks in the humanities and philosophers and, you know, English majors and readers and writers. And so I don't know, like part of it is, yeah, like saying, like, can we envision a math class where we would not have enjoyed it as much? And also, can we envision a world where the stuff that gave us a lot of clout, like would would not be worth as much? That's a, those are a couple of twin challenges there for me. Absolutely. I mean, we're in a time of questioning and I, you know, I um, just started working with an organization called To Move Mountains and we are looking at uh, designing curriculum in a war-torn region of Sudan. And one of the fascinating things that I found out about students in Sudan is that prior to getting a Western education, um, they're actually very good at thinking with non-Euclidean geometry. Um, you know, they think very well uh, in, in ways that, you know, we would probably describe as fractal geometry, right? But um, straight lines, uh, perfect quadrilaterals, the sort of things that we have kind of valued in our, in our Western math curriculum, right? It's, it's a little bit foreign to them and it, it doesn't really come into play in their minds even until we impose it upon them. So, um, you know, coming from the perspective of not just a guy who succeeded in math class, but you know, also a, a white male, like, you know, it's, 
fascinating to me to say like, well, wait a second, um, these things that I take is given in the math curriculum, these things that I take is sacrosanct. Uh, they're not necessarily a part of the universe that's non-negotiable, right? Right, it, and I, yeah, and I wanna say like there, there's uh, this sense that I should, out of a spirit of altruism, not diminish another culture's like way of doing math, but also I think selfishly, non-altruistically, like people do some interesting stuff out there mathematically, man. And I don't like, I don't want to lose that. Like, I want to know, like, how, so how are you thinking about this? Um, mm -hmm. Even if it like, it, it's destabilizing to me, um, you know, destabilizing my ideas about math or, you know, I don't know my, my uh, whatever clout I've got. That's just like, there's some cool stuff out there. I don't want to lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to take a step back in terms of the goal of technology to where we were a few minutes ago. Um, one of the things that I have most enjoyed about using Desmos in the classroom is that it's made my life as uh, a more constructivist math teacher a whole lot easier. Um, so I think about like some of the activities that I've done in honors pre-calculus classes with Desmos and I've talked about uh, the end behavior of functions. And rather than just standing at the board and lecturing about the end behavior of functions, I've turned my students loose on Desmos and I've said, hey guys, play around. Uh, and you tell me what the rules are about the end behavior functions. And normally within like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, I get a pretty good list of rules, right? Like I've got students tell me like, yeah, you know, if it's odd, the end behavior is gonna go in different directions. If it's even, they're gonna go in the same direction, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I think that if I had tried to do that by hand or even with a more old fashioned graphing calculator, uh, it would have taken me days on end, right? It wouldn't have taken right. minutes, half an hour. So I'm wondering, um, you know, in terms of the goals for Desmos long term, is a major thing on your on your agenda helping make constructivist math approaches or more progressive math approaches just more practical? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of language and baggage attached to words like progressive or constructivist. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone conjures up their own ideas here. So I, I want to just like to make it a bit more concrete for myself and like say what you told me back to you, how I'm understanding it, Absolutely. is that you um, you were you gave students opportunities to surface some early early ideas about what they're seeing about even in odd functions in their end behavior, mm -hmm. and um, at, at that point, like the you. I think that it's it's valid and useful and you know effective for a teacher to offer some consolidating ideas around what they're seeing. Like students are bringing their own language around this. Like they're not going to use the words odd and even. Like that, sure. that those those are socially constructed words that they got to like be told. Hey, here's how the community of mathematicians talks about this sometimes. Right. right. Um, and but like that early experience of I don't know ten minutes of them like create any any polynomial you want to like just like i don't have all the like the special polynomials as the teacher like anyone yeah. can make these and and decide what's happening and let's compare as a class like are there patterns and trends and then for you later to put a stamp on student ideas and say that there that is math that is math you are a mathematician and here's how we talk about these things sometimes that to me is is what i love about math class call it progressive call it constructivist i don't know uh, but the idea that students are learning about math and also about themselves always and every moment in math class and what you do in that moment is you you help students learn math it's effective math teaching because you connect from old to new knowledge that's effective cognitive science and then also you teach them about math about themselves as mathematicians saying hey like you folks can come up with ideas you folks can name things and and we can all be a part of that so that, 
that's the stuff I love what you described there. And what I love about what we're doing to make that easier is yeah, one, it makes it, uh, the technology can make it faster for students to come up with interesting observations when they're not plotting points one at a time or waiting for their calculator to redraw, you know, whatever function it is. So the observations come faster. They're more time spent thinking mathematically, that's one. And two, this activity builder, um, it has this snapshotting tool, which is actually very underused relative to my enthusiasm for it, but it lets teachers um, take a snapshot of a student's idea expressed in whatever form they brought to the table, brought to the classroom, and to put it on the board and to say, hey, that right there, that is math. Um, and also here's how some mathematicians would look at this and think about it also. Or to take two responses and say, how would you folks, these are two from you, you the class, how are these the same or different from each other? What have they seen that the other doesn't and vice versa? All of which just like builds learning and builds a student's sense of their own value, which excites me a lot. But uh, like I said, it's an underused feature right now compared to my enthusiasm. I, I'm trying to figure out how best to get teachers, you know, into a mentality of thinking about math students and technology in this way. And uh, I'm excited about podcasts like yours to you know, help change hearts and minds uh, in this direction. Dan, really quickly, you talked about the efficiency, uh, students be able to learn faster with your technology. Have you guys explored other immersive technologies like virtual reality or augmented reality? Are there plans that Desmos has that you wouldn't have to kill me if you told me uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that you guys may be looking at some of the more immersive technologies as a way to teach math more efficiently? Yeah, I think I'm probably, I'm probably a drag on, on our ambitions, you know, corporately around VR and AR, honestly. Um, you know, we all have different ideas about this and decisions are made, you know, with, by, with a lot of consensus. I'm just one person here, but I, I, I have yet to see um, kind of the killer app in math class or the killer, you know, the, 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 we agree. Let's is, build it, Dan. Let's build it. <laughs> Let's build it. I got to have an imagination in my, in my head first. You know, I've seen, um, I think GeoGebra is the coolest work here, our competitor, but I'll call them out. You know, um, they got their, their like uh, augmented reality where you can like see a 3D solid um, in the world through your camera lens. But What's the name of even, this company? GeoGebra. Uh, GeoGebra. Yeah, you can, would you please uh, drop drop a sensor beat, uh, beat over that <laughs> <I'm> editing. <laughs> um, but no, 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 I, I, that's, the, that's the good. I, but I, I don't see like the instructional application of what they're up to there uh, to show this. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's very cool. It's a cool visualization. But like in terms of helping students connect their learning and, and elicit that, invite that and celebrate that from teachers, like I, I've got, more than enough, you know, canvas to paint on with uh, just these devices that we're talking on right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what does the future of ed tech look like then? What's coming down the pike that's got you excited? Look, I think that there's, there's still a very strong sense that technology is good for quickly telling students that they're right and wrong um, and pointing them towards an adult to tell them how to be right. Uh, which is a, an idea about technology that I, I don't want to, like, I just, I want to confront that very forcefully over the next 10 years um, or more and just say, hey, like this, this is an old conception of what computers are good for. And we need to move on and help students be as creative and connected using computers and math class as they are using computers in the rest of their life. That's going to be, that's going to be an ongoing project. Going back to what you said earlier about uh, AP Calculus and its need to be removed as sort of the apex of high school math curriculum, um, does that mean that we should move in the direction of something like a, a data science class or a statistics class? 
particularly now that we've got technology to be able to enable these sorts of things to be done in a, in a more helpful way? Yeah, I think those are, those are great options. You know, mathematical modeling, um, quantitative reasoning, data science, even financial literacy. Like there's just, just like towards the end of high school, like let's let students opt into any number of different tracks um, and understand that in college, like in, in, in calculus in general, like y'all know what's, what, what's hard about calculus and it's not the calculus, it's the algebra. That's like right. it's, that, that's where, that's where students run aground so often is, is algebraic manipulation, symbolic manipulation is just like, if you don't know like how, how to, you know, multiply ex exponential expressions, you're, you're done for, you know, deriving, integrating any of that. But the actual ideas around calculus are not, they're not like, they're, they're imaginative, you know, they're, they're, they're wild, but they're not difficult in the same way. So like, let's spend a good amount of time getting students solid on what algebra is, what an equation is, what expressions do, let them play around some other ideas. And then if they want to in college, let's hop on back to calculus if that's their goal or head to statistics. Makes a lot of sense. Dan, we, uh, we like to end things with a segment called the Furious Five, and it's where we ask, five quick questions that don't necessarily have anything to do with what we've talked about today. Um, they're just more like fun, get to know you type questions. And we encourage uh, rapid fire answers. So just like one or two sentences, although we may to, to jump in. So hard. On your business yeah, is here, so. <laughs> let's do it. All righty. Uh, what's the best movie or TV show you've watched recently? Uh, I just got into Curb Your Enthusiasm, two episodes in. Nice. Comedy TV show from 2000s. I'm, I'm feeling it. It's all right. It's all right. Nice. Nice. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Uh, for Thanksgiving here in the States, you know, had a pretty good, uh, had a pretty good um, set of sides. One for the sides this year. I, I had some nice. solid sides in front of me. I skipped the bird, you know, that was me. Stuffing, mashed potatoes, all that good stuff. Yeah, favorite is the sweet potato pie, but yeah, uh huh. Which which is a side, not a dessert. Like, can we agree on that? That that's that counts Absolutely. as a side. It says pie, but it's a it's a side. For sure, for sure, Absolutely. Cool. Who's a social media thought leader that you think all of our listeners should go follow right now? Besides you, besides we, Dan, Meyer, we're going to follow you. Uh, that's that. I appreciate you you uh, adding that caveat. Um, <laughs> Shoot me, I'll just like the people that I that I dig right now. Rochelle Gutierrez, I think, is just like out there, and um, she's the person that popularized the rehumanizing mathematics at RG One Gal. I think is uh, her handle, and uh, she just like expands my mind like a balloon anytime That's I see awesome. something she's got out there. Yeah. That's fantastic. If you were going back into the classroom and, and you were stuck teaching just one math class for the rest of your career, what would it be and why? Algebra. I think uh, it's uh, one of the most useful courses, has some real beauty to it. Kids are often just wrecked by it emotionally and intellectually. And uh, that's, a, that's a really fun, that's a fun challenge to me. Nice. So the last one is uh, one we call the contrarian question. And I'll let Adam ask it because it's really his question. <laughs> Here we go. So, um, you know, there are a lot of math teachers out there and there are a lot of folks who are coaching math teachers in your world those who are investing in the supply side trying to coach math teachers what what is one thing that you know about that process that your colleagues that you respect would disagree with you on okay um i think that teachers 
can change less of the world than is often popularly noted or, or, or claimed that we oh, as, I love that answer it's, it's I'm gonna get uh, this is a yeah, this is a rough one for me to say out loud I think uh, uh that this um, is soundbite this is actually the title of our episode <laughs> oh, no. get, oh, I'm done. get your uh, ass back to the past <laughs> Look, I'm just saying there, po politicians and billionaires love to claim that teachers are the thing that changes outcomes for students, that gives students a Why life. they pay them $37,000 a year. That's, that's right. That's right. right. They don't pay them like that. Point labor. Right. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we kind of like, I, I find that coaches and teachers, like we kind of like also, like if you're not giving money, yeah, it takes some social cred too. So we kind of throw in and say like, yeah, teachers are world changers, but really like giving people money is a world changer, you know, making sure sure, healthcare sure. is a world changer. So I, I, I'm encouraging coaches and teachers to say like, hey, what we do is extremely important and we have a profound effect on people's lives, but like we don't want, we keep with this stuff that's outside of our control that should be done better by uh, other people. We're, we're world changers that have bills to pay. That's right. Good. Dan, thank, thank you. you so much. Where can people find you online? Hey, I'm at DD Meyer on Twitter. Uh, MrMeyer.com has got my blog. Um, yeah, great chat with you folks. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, Dan. Guys, follow him. He's worth it. I love following his tweets every single day. Dan, we appreciate your time so much. You're super Take care, stuff. folks. Bye now. Thank you. Peace.